You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 3. As we face the new year, I want to talk this morning about Satan's oldest trick. A new year, but his oldest trick. And it's a trick that he has tricked all of us with. He used it back in the Garden of Eden, and he has perfected it over all these many years. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read verse 1 through verse 13. Follow along as I read. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave it also unto unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the woman and the man said, The woman which thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree. And I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use the preaching and the teaching of your word today to speak deeply within our hearts to remind us of this old trick that Satan will seek to pull against us throughout this next new year. May we be prepared for his temptation and for his deception in this area. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, let me ask you the question, what is Satan's oldest trick? Stop and think about it. What is Satan's oldest trick? Alyssa asked me what I was preaching on on the way here to church this morning, and I shared with her, I said, I'm going to preach on Satan's oldest trick. 
And I said, what is it, honey? And she stopped and she pondered and she answered the same way some of you just did. She said, deception. And then she said, temptation. And I said, that's part of it. But how does he seek to deceive and how does he seek to tempt us? What is this old trick that he uses? And the oldest trick in Satan's book is getting you. Are you with me? Is getting you to sacrifice the future for the pleasure of the present. It's his oldest trick. Sacrificing the future for the pleasures of the present. I hate to say this, but I think that the majority of you would agree with me that we are now living in the me generation. You say, what do you mean by that, the me generation? What's well, a generation that wants what they want and they want it when? We want it now. And so we're doing everything that we can possibly do to cater to that me generation and give them what they want immediately. Now all you have to do to get what you want is to swipe it or insert it or click it. And you can get it in one to two days delivered right to your doorstep. And isn't that nice when it's this cold outside? <laughs> now this could be good and this could be legitimate if it's really a pressing need. I'm thankful that if there's a medical need you can call 911, right? And you can have someone come and can help you in an emergency type of situation. I'm glad that we have that. I'm glad that we can have immediate weather reports. If we really need to figure out what the weather is or we have to take a trip, we can just get on our cell phones now and we can find out the weather report. We can get emergency alerts sent to us right away. We can stop by the store and we can pick up a rotisserie chicken on the way home from church. We can access information immediately now simply by saying, Hey Siri, it's my cell phone in my pocket. I didn't want her to respond. We can immediately speak to our husbands and our wives when we need to. Your work can now contact you immediately, wherever you are. Isn't that a blessing? So there are a lot of benefits to living in the generation that we now presently live in. Wouldn't you agree? But in most cases... This is a very dangerous generation. I personally believe it's the most dangerous generation that humanity has ever lived in since creation, Genesis chapter 3. I think it's dangerous because the desires of the flesh and of the mind can be gratified almost instantaneously without having to wait and ponder what the consequences will be if I do this thing. 
Can I tell you something? It's a good thing sometimes to wait and to think things through and to not act immediately. So one of Satan's oldest tricks in his book is to keep our minds focused on uh, present pleasures and benefits and not think about how that's going to affect us in the future, the me generation. When we talk about the me generation, we're talking about millennials. All right? Now, they categorize millennials as those 18 years of age till about 35. So if you're 18 to 35, would you please stand right now? This is the generation I'm talking about right now. Thank you. You may be seated. You are being targeted today. But I'm not just the one targeting you. This is what is even being told to us by the secular community. Those who study such things. That those of you who have just stood here in this church basically are more self-centered than any other generation that's ever existed. You are more self-seeking. You are more self-absorbed. You are more self-focused. You are more discontent. And you are more pleasure-orientated than any generation that's ever lived. Doesn't that make you feel good? You see, Satan has sold you a bill of goods. He's pulled out his old trick. And he's used it on you very successfully to where this generation is sacrificing their future for the pleasures of the present. And that is exactly the generation that the Bible prophesies will exist just prior to the coming of our Lord and Savior. Very interesting, isn't it? The Bible also says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That me generation does that, see? Even so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible said, just prior to the coming of our Lord, men shall be lovers of their own selves. The millennial generation. They will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. They will be lovers of money. They will be lovers of this present world and the things that are in this world. Now, when I look at that, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, lovers of money, lovers of this present world, doesn't that describe this generation? How much better would it be if we would just submit ourselves and we would just submit our desires to the Lord and then wait on him to provide for us his best? instead of getting what we want and trying to get it right now. How many of you like waiting on the Lord? 
You know why you don't like it? Because your preacher don't like it either. They always say the people are a reflection of the preacher. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> but listen to what David said in Psalm 37. He said, rest in the Lord. Shh. We just stress out and flip out about so many things. He said, just rest in the Lord. Wait patiently on him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way. You don't have to be like the one who swipes it and inserts it and clicks it. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers, listen to this. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait on the Lord shall inherit the what? The earth. Well, that's a pretty big inheritance. Those that wait on the Lord, wait for the Lord to fulfill that. Those who wait on the Lord shall inherit the earth. Psalm 25, verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. In thee do I wait all the day. I'm just waiting. I give my desires to the Lord and I just wait on him to fulfill those desires if they are in his will. Psalm 37, verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his ways and he shall exalt thee. When a person, stay with me, church. When a person is stuck on self, you ever heard that phrase, stuck on stupid? When a person is stuck on self, and let's be real honest, many of us here right now hearing preacher's voice are stuck on self. But when we get stuck on self and the fulfillment of the desires of the flesh, waiting on the Lord and being content with what the Lord has given you is impossible. Impossible. So most people today... And I guess I would have to throw most Christians in there today are living for the moment. And we are willing to pay whatever we have to pay to get what we want and to get it now. Now take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 25. I want it now. Here we have the story of Jacob and Esau. And we're going to look at the story of Jacob and Esau and see how each one of these boys, these brothers, responded to the situation that they were faced with and what it teaches us about this instant gratification. Now let's kind of lay a backdrop to this story. Abraham's son was Isaac. Isaac had two twin boys born to him from Rebekah. The first one that was born was Esau. And as soon as Esau came out, Jacob came out holding his heel. So Esau was born first, Jacob was born second. But never was there two twins that were more opposite. Esau 
the Bible says, was a hairy man. And he loved the out of doors. Now, you don't have to be hairy to love the out of doors, okay? But he was an outdoorsman. He was a sportsman. Loved being outside. Loved hunting. My kind of guy. Jacob, on the other hand, the Bible says, was very smooth, had very smooth skin. He was not hairy at all. He didn't like the outdoors. He wanted to stay indoors with his mother. Now, there was nothing wrong with Esau. God made him that way. There was nothing wrong with Jacob. The Lord made him that way. He preferred to stay home, and Esau preferred to be out in the woods. But one day, when Jacob was home cooking the evening meal, sorry, I had to throw that in there. Esau comes in from hunting. And when Esau comes in from hunting, he is absolutely famished. Now, any of you who are hunters and, you know, are in the outdoors and you spend a whole day hunting and come in, you're, you're hungry too. So he comes in from his activity of hunting and he's, he's I'm starving to death. So I say to my mom, I'm starving to death. She goes, you are not starving to death. But Jacob had made some lentil soup or stew. And I can just imagine as Esau walks into the house, he smells this delicious lentil soup cooking. And haven't you noticed when you're really hungry, things smell good and they smell, you know, just amazing and taste even better? So in verse 30 in chapter 20, he Asked Jacob, Jacob, can I have some of that stew? I'm just famished. Can I have some? Well, Jacob sees an opportunity here to take advantage of his brother. For those of you who know your Bible, you know the Bible stories. He says to his brother, listen, you swear to me that you will sell me your birthright for this bowl of lentil stew. Okay, stop and think about this. Sell me your what? Birthright. Sell me your future for this bowl of stew. What does Esau do? He sells his future birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Now, I like lentils, but I'm not going to sell my birthright for it. And so we're sitting here going, that's crazy. You know, that really is crazy when you understand what was all involved in the birthright. In the Hebrew family, the birthright was a very precious possession that was given to the eldest son. It guaranteed him a place of headship, a place of honor, a place of authority. It also guaranteed him that he would inherit what was called the double inheritance. He would get double the property and double 
of whatever wealth was in the family upon his father's death. Now think about this. He is trading all of that, all of that future. Do you think he was a little blinded by the decision he just made? He's trading all of that. He's, he's trading headship, honor, authority, property, and wealth for a bowl of lentil stew. Why was Esau willing to trade his future for the pleasures of the present? Because he really didn't consider what he was giving up. To me, Esau's mindset is the mindset that this millennial generation has. We're willing to forfeit our future because they can't even see into the future because they're so focused on the present. But we are willing to give up our future for present fulfillment. Be not deceived. God is not what? Whatsoever a man soweth, what? That shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And Satan will come to you as he did to Eve and say, that's not true. God didn't really mean that. The Bible says his own iniquities shall take hold of him and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. Giving into the present pleasures without seeing the future consequences is being tied up with the iniquity or the bonds of sin. Listen, I came across this verse and the word mischief is found many times in the scripture, but listen to it. Proverbs 12, 21 says, There shall no evil happen to the just, but the wicked shall be filled with mischief. The wicked shall be filled with mischief. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I, mean, I just want to look up that word and really see the impact of that word. And so I took out my Strong's Concordance, and this is what it says the word mischief means. Are you with me? So this, those who give up the future for present pleasures are committing mischief. The Strong's Concordance said mischief is adversity, affliction, calamity, despise, distress, Bad, evil, exceedingly harmful, hurtful, ill-favored, misery, not pleased, sad, sore, sorrow, trouble, vexed, wretchedness, wickedness, wrong. Is that what you really want? When you give up those future blessings that God has for you for Present pleasures. The Bible said it's mischief. Now I want to be 
very honest with you right now, and I want especially our teenagers to look up here at Preacher. The most difficult aspect of my ministry, the most difficult, is to convince especially young people the foolishness of youth. To convince young people that giving in to pleasant present pleasures is not worth giving up your future for. It's the most difficult task that I have. It's trying to convince people, don't do this. You will regret it. Many of us who are my age, I mean, I still consider myself in the middle age, slipping in the wrong direction. But many of us, if we were really honest, could say, you know what? I gave in to his old trick. It's the stupidest thing I've ever done. I gave up what God had for me in the future for this present pleasure that lasted only for a season. We tend to think, teenagers, I love you so much. Sometimes I just like to knock your heads together. Because we tend to think that we can pursue whatever we want to pursue without any consequences. <laughs> now that is stuck on stupid. It's not true. When Peter was speaking to a group of carnal Christians, he said that they had become blind and had lost their ability to see afar off. Second Peter 1.9. They had become blind and they had lost their ability to see afar off. They couldn't see the blessing that God has for them in the future if they would just wait on God to fulfill that desire. No, they got stuck looking at the pleasures of the present. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, unbelievers walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Don't be like that. Don't be stuck on stupid being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Don't be blind like the unbelievers are blind. Listen, I understand why unbelievers are so focused on the present. They don't understand the future. But there's no reason for us as believers to be like them. Give me an amen. Our eyes should be wide open because God has given us a prophetic book that tells us about the blessings in the future. Who being past feeling 
Their conscience no longer bothers them who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, that's moral impurity, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. You need to go to here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 to verse 17. Why did Esau make such a foolish decision? To forfeit his future for a bowl of stew. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Are you there? Give me an amen. This is a warning to us. Remember the things that were written beforehand are written for our learning. We need to learn from Esau. Beginning with verse 16, lest there be any, what's the word? Fornicator. Who is a fornicator? Someone who is sexually immoral. Esau was an immoral man. Lest there be any fornicator. Or, what's the next word? Profane. Have you ever heard the word hedonistic? How many of you know what the word hedonistic means? Okay, just a few of you. It means one engaged in the pursuit of pleasure, sensuality, and self-indulgence. Hedonistic. We live in a hedonistic age. One who is engaged in the pursuit of pleasure, sensuality, and self-indulgence. So the description of Esau. A fornicator, a profane individual. As Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. After it was all said and done, after he had made this foolish decision to sell it all for a bowl of stew, he wept over what he had done, but it was too late. I will never forget a couple in our church many years ago, not this particular church, but another church I pastored. The man had committed adultery against his wife 20 years prior. 20 years later, it was found out. Never forget meeting with that couple. To the woman, it was like it just happened. Are you with me, ladies? They both were weeping. He wept literally with, I would say, repentance over what he, would, what he had done. He begged for forgiveness. But you know what? It was too late. And she divorced him. And that family was separated. Now, I'm not saying that she should have divorced him. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that only by the grace of God could she have forgiven him and had that marriage reconciled, it could have happened. 
She resisted the grace of God. But you know how sad that was for me as a pastor to watch this family split up? She was one of our Sunday school teachers. Absolutely broke my heart. What many of you are failing to realize, I'm going to say most of you young people here, a lot of those my age, we've learned this lesson. Some of you young people here, this kind of say to don't learn it the hard way. To where later on you look back and you say, if I, oh, if I, I was so stupid, I cannot believe that I did that. And you still are suffering the consequences of a decision made, sometimes even years prior. When we sacrifice our future blessings for present pleasures, you know what? We're really disregarding the commandments of God. Do you know why God gives us commandments? To make us miserable. Right? God just said in heaven, figure about how can I make my people the most miserable people in all the world? Ah! Give them another commandment. You know what? That is exactly... That is exactly how some of you are thinking. That's why John had to try to convince his his readers, his commandments are not grievous. If you love him, you'll have no problem keeping his commandments. What is the last of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not what? Why do we forfeit? These future blessings that God has reserved for us in his time... Why do we forfeit that for these present pleasures? Because we violate the 10th commandment. We're coveting. We want it and we want it now. You know why the 10 commandments were given to us? Because God loves us. And he wants his very best for us to disregard them and the consequences of violating them are absolutely foolish. Sacrificing the future for pleasant, present pleasures is about as dumb as you can get. And you know what? I've done it. How many of you have done it? As we enter into this next year, let's say, listen, I'm not going to give in to Satan's oldest trick. Let me give you a couple more examples. David. Samson. So many Bible examples that we could give. Let's just briefly here talk about David. David yielded to his lust for who? Bathsheba. See how important it is to know these Bible stories? Some of you may be sitting here and saying, I have no idea who David is. Bathsheba, who in the world is that? That's why you need to know your Bible. 
But David was up, he was a king, he was up in his palace, walking when he should have been out to war with his men. Shirked his responsibility to lead his men into battle. But anyway, he's up there, he's walking around his palace, maybe his conscience is bothering him, or he's wondering how the war is going on, and he looks down and he sees this woman taking her clothes off and getting ready to take a bath, and he looks at her. Now, first of all, she should have never been up there. Huh? But he looks at her, and he lusts after her, and he calls for her. Her name was Bathsheba. And so he commits adultery with her, and she gets pregnant. Be sure your sin will find you out. Then David says, man, i got to cover my tracks. And so he has her husband put at the front of the battle and has the men pull back, and her husband Uriah dies. Do you think for a moment that David really thought this thing through? Now every man is tempted. Every woman is tempted. But David didn't really think through what the consequences of this possibly could be if he slept with Bathsheba that night. The pleasures of the present blinded him to the realities of the future and what he was giving up. The pleasures of the moment yielded painful circumstances for the rest of his life. God said to David, because of what he has done, now therefore the sword shall never depart out of thine house, because thou hast despised me. You didn't obey me. You violated one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou hast despised me. Thou hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Here's just a few of the things that happened. His child dies. His son Amnon rapes his half-sister Tamar. Absalom kills Amnon. Absalom rebels and drives David from the throne. Absalom is killed and it goes on and on. All because one night of pleasure. David didn't think about the future. Samson. Samson was given supernatural strength by God to fight Israel's enemies, the Philistines. One man was called by God to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But he had a lust problem just like David did. And one evening when sleeping with a woman by the name of Delilah, she was able to convince him to tell her where his strength lied. And that was in his hair because he had taken a Nazarite vow. She cuts his hair. The Philistines rush in and they overpower him. They bind him. Before that time, he never could be bound. He would break whatever they would bind him with. They then take pokers and they gouge out his eyes. 
They throw him in prison for a short time and then they take him out of prison and they tie him to a grinding mill to where he grinds. Wrecked his life simply because he was focused on the present pleasure instead of the future reality. Is there really any of us right here right now that think for a moment that we can live for the pleasures of this present world without there being consequences in the future for that? As I close, let's return to the Jacob Esau story. We saw how Esau was focused on the present and not on the future, so he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Let me ask you this question. Was Jacob just as much at fault? If you remember this story, you'll remember that God had informed Rebekah and Jacob that the the older would serve the younger. God had told them years ago that Jacob, you are going to receive the birthright and you are going to receive the blessing. And that was the promise of God. But what did Jacob do? Instead of... Instead of... Was it God's will for him to have the birthright and the blessing out here in the future? Was it yes or no? Yes, because God said it. Check it out. Genesis 25, verse 23. But Jacob just couldn't wait. When did he want it? He wanted it now. Did he get it? Did he get it? But what did he get it with? A lot of consequences. All kinds of problems in the family. Let me say to all of all of are we the family of God here? When one suffers, we all what? Isn't that true in a family also? Jacob hadn't seen, had blinded him to the reality of how much problem was going to be caused because of what he did. When this happened, it said, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, I will slay my brother. Rebecca comes to Jacob and she says, Jacob, Esau's really ticked off over what you did. You go, go to your uncle Laban's house and just hang out there for a few days till he cools down. Can I tell you something? He didn't cool down in a few days. 20 years. That family was divided until those two brothers finally reconciled with each other. 20 years! 20 years! 
of sorrow and heartache and separation and fear. Until one day Jacob wrestles with the Lord. And the Lord says, you go make things right with your brother Esau. 20 years. When we fail to examine the possible consequences of our action, we will always make the wrong decision. Anytime we sin, we can expect consequences are going to follow. Instead of rushing ahead and fulfilling our own longings, don't you think it would be good for us to stop, consider, pray, and wait for the Lord to bring this all about? Sacrificing your future for the present pleasures of this world are not worth it. Tonight, there's a lot of people that are going to get drunk. Yes or no? That's how some of you used to bring in the new year. And some of those people tonight who get drunk are going to die. For some tonight, it'll be the first time that they've experienced drugs. And they're going to drug it up tonight. And they're going to become addicts. And those drugs will destroy everything that God had planned for them for their future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray you do your work in your people's heart right now during this invitation. One man said this with every head bowed and every eye closed. What you put in your bowl today can carry disastrous consequences tomorrow. What you put in your bowl today, the lentil soup, can carry dangerous consequences tomorrow. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.